0: Fantasy sports today. It's going down right here. Welcome to FST, today's podcast, obviously, previewing the Super Bowl. Joined by my friend and new colleague, Davis Maddox. So, Davis. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, very, very excited. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. You
0: know, as a corny uh, radio host, I'm obligated to ask you how cold it is in Kansas City where you're at. Uh, I'm in Long Island, New York, and that is three degrees currently. So, where are you at?
1: So I'm actually a little bit better than that. Uh, just today, it's uh, it's up to nine degrees, but yesterday it was, uh, it was in the negatives and it was not very
0: nice. Yeah. Basically just stay inside that uh, everybody asks, well, what do you do? What what do you do if you have to go outside? Well, you, you say a little prayer (laughs) and you bundle up as much as possible and you run to wherever it is, uh, and try not to slip on the ice. So, uh, I I know it's going to be warming up pretty soon. So, uh, good luck with that. And hopefully you thaw out, uh, pretty quickly. So, um, I was taking a look at some of the stuff uh, that you put out on Twitter recently and some of the articles that you've written. And we'll we'll dive into the Super Bowl, specifically the passing games and the passing defenses. But it, it occurred to me that uh, you joined SportsGrid uh, just a couple of weeks ago, right? Started writing at the beginning of January. Uh, you right. had Jeff Janis on a podcast, and you are the number one seated Jeff Janis truther. In the world that I'm aware of, is that fairly oh, accurate? I mean, there there
1: there are other people who might try and lay a claim, but I certainly I certainly think that having him on my podcast solidified me as the number one truther
0: easily. And you were the first one through that door, so uh, so that's not number two, and. As a result of that podcast, you got an indirect and vague Milwaukee local news shout-out uh, referring to the podcast. So, I have really one question. Are you ready to retire? I mean, this is like an Elway moment. You could just go out on top.
1: I could. I think that I could realistically retire happy after all of that, yeah. Like Like The, the number one thing I wanted to do when I started this podcast was to have Jeff Janis on. Like I was, I was uh, I, I basically bothered him via Twitter DM for four months before we finally got the time arranged to do it.
0: Nice, nice. Um, I, I let's do it. It was really entertaining. Is it's, you know, he's a, he's a unique guy for the NFL. I, you know, he's not the only person like that. But small school, didn't have a lot of publicity. Um, as you mentioned on that podcast and I encourage everybody to listen to the take cast of Jeff Janis. It's uh, episode 60. I believe you can find it on rotoexperts.com com and on Davis's timeline at Davis Matic on Twitter. Um, uh, it's unique in that he's this super freakishly athletic guy that went to a small school with not a lot of notoriety. Um, and he still remains kind of a small-town guy. It's ironic that the Packers also had Jordy Nelson, who sort of has that background as well. But he went to K-State. He had a little bit more publicity. But, you know, Janice is a unique guy in that he's just kind of a regular small-town guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he mentioned on there, he was like, oh, you know, my, my cell service isn't that good because he still lives in the same small town where he's from. Right. He still He still lives in a town of, like, 2,000 people in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's still trying to make a comeback. And I I listened to the podcast. It seems like he's going to make some efforts to try to get back in the NFL. The other uh, new leagues coming out in the CFL don't particularly interest him, but he's got enough athleticism that you'd think he, he would find a place. He's certainly more athletic than guys that were on rosters at the end of this season.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, if you if you compare him to some of the guys that are getting snaps for some of these bad NFL teams, yeah. I mean, he he's like you can't tell me he's not better than Marcel Aitman for right. the Raiders or whatever. Like, I was say like, Seth he's just,
0: Roberts. Ironically, that we both picked the same team, so your your point is right. well made.
1: Yeah, and I I actually hope that uh, that doing the interview, I hope that some some of the fact that he still wants to play trickles back into some front offices somewhere, that would, be, that would be the most ideal outcome to having him on the podcast.
0: Yeah, so the last thing I'll ask you about the Janice thing, uh, obviously they are familiar with him in Green Bay, but he threw a, a, just a tiny bit of shade at Rogers, but really just affirming your point that, you know, Aaron's body language isn't always the greatest, and he's a little bit of a negative reinforcement guy, not a positive reinforcement guy. And Janice seems to wish it was a different way. Do uh, you think that hurts his chances? Do you think anybody cares that he said it? And is it would it be water under the bridge?
1: I think it would probably be water under the bridge because it just kind of seems like he's that type of guy that you just expect when you talk to him, you're just going to hear what he actually thinks. And maybe he's not going to try and sugarcoat things. And maybe that's part of why they didn't renew his contract in the first place. But they, they, I mean, they didn't need bodies. They, they had were horrible on punt returns and kick returns last year. And they, all of their wide receivers are old and Randall cops probably not coming back this year.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, There's still a long way to go for the Packers as much as Aaron Rodgers is a key piece. And statistically, he did not have a very good season completion percentage was like in the 20s of quarterbacks in the NFL this year. They do have a long way to go. I, I think there's a, a lot of pieces that that team still needs. We'll see if Janice can get back into the mix, but I think you're right about Cobb and the others. So uh, let's turn it over to the game. You know, this spread has settled in here at two and a half minus three at some books. And uh, we've seen the over the total come down slightly, but still living at a pretty healthy 56 and a half. So you've done a lot of write-ups on various portions of the game. And I, I like the way you did it. Cause that's the way sort of, I like to do it is just break it down piece by piece. It's, you know how do you uh, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of thing you just take a look at right. each, each section of the game and try not to try when you take a step back from it you can theorize in ways that don't make sense so i like breaking down one by one well how's the passing offense going to look how's the passing defense going to look so uh, that's what we'll focus on today we'll start with the passing offenses now um Brady has obviously, while people, like the the rumors of the Patriots' demise have been greatly exaggerated, obviously you live just a couple of miles from the Chiefs' stadium, and the Patriots put up 94 offensive plays against the Chiefs, the most by any team in any game this season. So clearly they have the ability to move the ball through rushing and a ball control passing attack.
1: Definitely, yeah. They, uh, they, they are very effective at running the ball, which is um, not—it's uh, not something that most teams do effectively. Most teams run the ball in a way that uh, overall hurts their ability to score points. But the Patriots are good at it, and I, probably the best thing is the Patriots are just so good on third downs.
0: Yeah, true. Uh, I, I know you, you took a look at Brady's next-gen passing stats. He's obviously really good behind the line of scrimmage. It speaks to how they use James White. Uh, additionally, he's pretty good. The, the one thing that really stands out to me is that to the left side of the field, if you're the offense looking down, to the left side of the field in that 10- to 20-yard range, he's got a 143 passer rating, which is crazy. But that's also if you just think back to the Chiefs game on its own. It's where like Edelman lives and where Gronk had some huge third down catches. That is Brady's sweet spot. That fifteen yard out, just getting across the middle of the field and into that wide open space. It seems like they just always have somebody open there.
1: Yeah, and I just I don't know I don't know exactly how they do it, but it is. It's, and it's not even like those guys are just running good routes. They're wide open. They just scheme guys wide open to where Brady doesn't even have to be a good quarterback to place those throws. And if he's getting all of those free throws against the Rams, if they're not able to do that, like if they're not able to, to solve that problem, I think the Patriots cover it easily. I don't think that is what is going to happen. I think the Rams, because they're so good at generating interior pressure, are going to force Brady out of his comfort zone.
0: Uh, I I agree with you completely uh, that that is obviously the way that Brady has gotten rattled in the past. You think back to the Giants Super Bowls and they did a really good job without blitzing of creating pressure. I think that's a key too. the key is not to blitz him and, and find some interior pressure and move him out of the pocket for me. And it's why and we'll talk about prop bets later. For me, it's what leads me to believe that White and Edelman will be. As big as they've ever been in this game in order to try to scheme around, getting Brady, getting rid of the ball very quickly on quick, easy throws. It's something they normally do, but I think it'll be accentuated in this game because they may have issues blocking them up front. As good as their offensive line has been, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald.
1: Well, and they are their tackles are better than their guards are. And the way that I'm thinking about this game is a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes, he would actually rather be pressured in the interior so that he can roll out and get space. But a guy like Brady, who's much less mobile, he would rather the pressure come from the outside so he can step up and make his throw. But the Rams are really good at just collapsing that pocket and forcing the quarterback to move. And Brady Brady can't do that at this stage in his career. He's he's not rolling out and making those you know those strong arm throws. So I actually think, in terms of like a pass rush matchup, this is about as bad as it could get for the for the Patriots.
0: Yeah, and and when you think back to the Falcons game just two years ago, obviously the story that's told about that game is the massive comeback, the Falcons choking on a, a couple of play calls. That that's really the story that's going to be told, but. Despite the fact that he won the MVP in that game and he put up big stats, he really didn't have a great game. And part of the reason for that was that Grady Jarrett was dominating him. He had three sacks. He was creating pressure, pick six for Brady. He made a couple of other bad throws, including the Edelman catch, which will go down in history as an amazing catch. Brady basically threw a pick on that play. So it was, again, interior pressure from Grady Jarrett that was uh, throwing Brady off his game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if that if that happens, combined with how good this Rams offense is, and, and if Brady's just under siege this whole game, and they're not able to run to offset that pressure, I, I can kind of see the Rams winning by like a lot. Like they're just absolutely smashing in this game. I think that yeah. that is like definitely in play
0: yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll turn it over to Goff then. He actually had a higher overall passer rating. As you said, by the way, again, Davis's articles, you find him on Twitter at Davis Matic, but you can find his articles on rotoexperts.com. He's uh, heading the NFL 365 coverage for us, so he'll be writing about football all year long. So Goff has a higher passer rating. He had more success throwing the ball downfield, which goes back to your point about how they make it easy for Brady to hit Shorter to intermediate throws and don't have him pushing the ball down the field as much. But um, a lot of golf success, as you mentioned here, and I think a lot of people assume this, which probably isn't entirely fair to golf, is that Sean McVay really schemes them. Schemes a lot of the receivers open. He runs eleven personnel almost all the time, just one running back, one tight, and three wide. And he creates situations for Goff to have easier throws or to have guys wide open. But if we could try to be positive for a second, how good was Goff this season? Say compared to Brady?
1: I mean, I think honestly, probably just from like an arm talent standpoint, I just have to have a quarterback just throwing passes to any random wide receiver, I'd actually probably rather have Goff. And I would also probably rather have the combination of McVeigh and Goff heading my offense than Brady and Belichick because there were definitely some points this year where Belichick was calling bad games, or where Belichick and McDaniel were, were not calling good games, where their offensive game plan was suboptimal. I don't think that will be the case. In this game, I think their game plan is going to be super pass heavy. I think it's going to be a, a big James White game, but definitely I don't think that Jared Goff is like a disqualifier for the Rams in this game in terms of like being like being a quarterback and being able to make all of the throws. Uh,
0: how what level of concern do you have? Well, there's two concerns for the Rams offense in my mind. One is that we really don't know what's up with Gurley. They're saying he's healthy, but for some reason, C.J. Anderson is out-touching him. You you would never, in any reasonable circumstance, say, that. oh, that's fine, because Gurley isn't playing well. He may not be as efficient, but there's obviously something wrong in my mind with Gurley, that you would have Anderson out-snapping him or out-touching him. That's one. And two is that it has been different since Cooper Cup w- w- went out injured. Uh, it's been eight weeks or so, eight games or so, and we have seen a difference. So what's your level of concern there for Goff, or do you think they've been able to pick up the slack with Josh Reynolds and other guys?
1: No, I mean, Cooper Cup missing is like, uh, that's like a a really big injury for the Rams. I don't think it was going to be. I actually kind of thought that they were going to be okay with josh reynolds but that is that is not proven to be the case they've been a lot worse with reynolds on the field versus cup and i kind of think what they're going to do in the super bowl is i think that they're going to run a lot more 12 personnel they're going to have both higby and everett in there kind of for the first time this year and i i don't exactly know what that is going to look like but i think that for that strategy to work, Todd Gurley actually has to play really well because he has to be a threat out of the backfield for that, um, for that playing style to work for what the Rams want to do on offense. So I think a lot of this game is actually going to come down to Gurley.
0: Interesting. So uh, I, I, tend, I tend to agree that Gurley is going to be a huge factor. There's no way that they can go into this game with Gurley having a dud game and win it. I just I just can't imagine that happening you now for, for somehow that did happen against the Saints but You know, the Saints didn't play their best game. I would suspect the Patriots will play a better game than than the Saints did. So so breaking down the pass catchers, you obviously have this group of receivers for the Pats and, and Edelman, Gronk, White, and Hogan in the Rams with Woods, Cooks, Reynolds, and Gurley with minor contributions from the two tight ends that you just mentioned. On the whole, though, you like the Rams. They're just a more efficient, more effective overall pass catching group, even without Cooper Cup, correct?
1: I mean, yeah, Woods, Woods and Cooks are just better than Hogan and Edelman and Dorsett, and I mean, I, and like I put in the article, you know, the big question mark is: Can Gronk get back in the time machine? This is likely to be his like last NFL game. Can he get back in the time machine and play like prime Gronk? And if he does, I think the edge goes to the Patriots. But I just, I just haven't seen it. Even the, even the super. Clutch catch that he made in the AFC Conference Championship game, if pretty much anyone was guarding him other than Eric Berry, I think that would have been an incompletion, and the Chiefs would have won that game.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I tend to agree with you. uh, As much as you're a Chiefs fan, I just thought that it it, it was. Really obvious that Barry was just nowhere near the player that he once was, and, and I thought there were some uh, very makeable defensive plays that they missed on. You know, obviously the offsides penalty is the one thing that I'm going to think about from that game for a long period of time because if D Ford is on sides, uh, that game's over. But uh, such is life.
1: Yeah, we're so, we're, we're we're yeah. That's uh, that's a struggle. The D Ford the D and is uh The biggest regret from that game, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, uh, all right, we'll turn it over to – well, let me ask you one question, though. The Pats are known to obviously – they're very good, as you mentioned in in one of the articles about – being game plan specific and scheming against their opponent, specifically situational football and specific schemes against uh, their opponent, which boggles my mind that other coaches do not do this. They just run at, run their offense and run their defense the way they want to run it in every game. Um, that always seems odd to me because Belichick is so good at scheming against his opponent. So against the Chiefs, they did a good job of eliminating Tyreek Hill from any level of success who is the guy that they have to key on here is it Gurley in the pass game trying to stop the run or is it them taking cooks out so the cooks avoids uh any big plays like they'll let robert woods eat all day because they know the rams going methodically down the field isn't the way they really want to play they want to have some quick strike plays
1: yeah, I think, I think basically eliminating Cooks from being a deep threat is going to be huge for them in this game. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then also, I think they are going to struggle with, um, eliminating the jet Ocean because that, their, their defense is slow. Like they're, they're all good, but their edge rushers and their corners are all kind of slow. And so the, the Rams use this jet motion on, like, 40% of their plays. And that, that's, like, hard for a corner to track the whole game, especially if they're going to just throw. Stephen, like, if Steven Gilmore just has to cover one of Woods or Cooks for the whole game and track them across the formation, I honestly don't know how he's going to do it. Like, I think, I think that's just such a hard job. And I, I think that's all a big edge for the Rams, just how much they actually move on offense.
0: Yeah, uh, good point. On the offensive line side, I've been saying this for a few years and it's been especially noticeable since Garnacchia, Dante's Garnacchia, the Patriots offensive line coach, retired and then came out of retirement after Brady got beat up in the 2015 AFC Championship game and they just went back to being dominant for the last three seasons. His value to this team and the manner in which Brady doesn't even get touched, no sacks so far this playoffs, is incredible. And this isn't, littered with first-round draft picks. Their first-round draft pick is out for the year. He never played a snap this year in you know, Isaiah Wynn. And here they are, and the guy doesn't even get touched.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, they're, they're, clearly they have some sort of secret uh, 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 on offensive line to just be able to get all of these guys in and to basically have no continuity issues at all, to just be basically ready to go right away. Like, I I just think, I I don't know what the secret sauce is, but I think that's basically the biggest advantage the Patriots have that people don't talk about. Keeping your quarterback from being pressured is, like, the number one advantage in the NFL right now.
0: Yeah, and I've said it for years. It was his first hit with the Pats, and now again. The fact that Brady is able to sit back there, you talked about how they scheme guys open, and they allow Brady. The Pats offense is about Brady making easy throws. He makes easy throws most of the time and he's doing it without getting pressured. It's going to lead to success. Any team that was able to duplicate that would have massive amounts of success offensively. It doesn't need to be Brady throwing for 5,500 yards. It's just an efficiency that uh, other teams can't realize. So, the the interesting thing is that on the flip side, the Rams' offensive line has been given a lot of credit. I read an article yesterday on Five Thirty Eight by Josh Hirschmeyer, which was great in determining what your success will be in running the ball. Because a lot of people have saying that the Rams are great historically as an offensive line, and they are very good. Uh, He threw a little bit of cold water on them being the best run blocking offensive line ever. But nonetheless, this is still a very good offensive line. So both quarterbacks could remain relatively clean throughout the game. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, neither team is particularly good at rushing the passer. Neither the Rams nor the Patriots finished above average in adjusted sack rate or in quarterback hits. So I, I actually think that I, I kind of like the over in this game because I don't know if either defense is going to be able to make the other offense uncomfortable. Uh,
0: I tend to agree with that. It's It's a big number, but... 30-27, to 27, when last year was 41-33, the defenses didn't were terrible in the game last year. Actually, uh, it was a somewhat unpopular opinion. I, I didn't think the Super Bowl last year was that great. It was exciting because it was close, but I didn't think it was that great because it resembled a... A Big 12 game to me to some extent. Both quarterbacks had such an easy time. Brady threw for 500 yards. Uh, I didn't love that. But this could mirror that in some ways uh, if, we're not a, if we're not seeing pressure again, which last year, you know, we're up in a, in a 74 range. I could see this being a 30 to 27 game pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I think that could definitely happen in this game, especially if one of the two teams jumps out to a lead early and either the Rams or the Patriots just kind of abandon the run. I, I yeah. could definitely see this game just going way over.
0: Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, defensive side of the ball, we've talked a whole bunch about the pass rush. You did mention St- Stephon Gilmore. <sighs> What is your best guess? Because you've mentioned a couple of things here between the article and, and right here on the pod. What is your best guess as to what Gilmore is going to do? I can't see them locking him up on Edelman or, or something like that. I, I, I just don't see that being the case. But...
1: Best I, best, guess for, best guess for for Gilmore is that I think that he will be assigned to Woods and they will use um, one of their other corners, whether it be J.C. Jackson or uh, one of the McCordy brothers on Cooks, and then they have the safety over the top on Cooks. So they just throw Gilmore on an island versus Woods, and then they have two guys kind of paying attention to Cooks.
0: So it goes back to your point, then that means it's got to be a girly day. Like in, in a huge way, it would have Gurley would just have to have Kareem Hunt like success against the Patriots.
1: Yeah, Gurley has to do with best team, one impression, I think, for the Rams offense to be at their full potential in this game.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. So you mentioned in this article on the passing defenses, again, found on rotoexperts.com, that Keith Talib was really good this year. And conversely, Peters was as bad as you're going to get.
1: Yeah, Peters was, was horrible, and the Patriots know that. The Patriots know that he commits a lot of defensive pass interferences, that he just like he's just not nearly as good as Tlaib is. And so I think they're going to try and get uh, Dorsett against uh, Tlaib as much as they can because they would rather throw to Edelman and Hogan, and they're just going to try and really attack them that way.
0: And uh, lastly, Nikel Roby Coleman's obviously been in the news because of the, the penalty non-call and some just ridiculous comments about Brady. I don't know why he would give them bulletin board material. Cause they they live for it, but he actually had a really good season this year in covering people. Yes.
1: Yeah, he was really good, and the Patriots know that for sure. And that is, that sucks for them because Roby Coleman is going to be on Edelman, which you know if if, if Roby Coleman has a really good game on Edelman. That is uh, that's rough for uh, that's rough for the Patriots.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's turn it over to prop bets. You like player prop bets. I love player prop bets. As far as game props are concerned, I'm seeing it's dropped slightly. But the first one I like out of the gate. Is will there be a successful two-point conversion plus 170 on mybookie.ag? I just feel like the rate at which teams are trying two-point conversions at this point, there was actually not one completed last year, but in the previous two Super Bowls, there was. So I'm liking the chances for there to be a two-point conversion, a successful one.
1: Yeah, the, these two teams specifically, right? These are two yeah, teams who you exactly. would say, "Oh, yeah, I think we're we're very likely to see one in this game." I, I've actually already bet that one, so we are on. Yep. We are on the same page.
0: Good, good. Uh, now, other player props. I, you know, we we've talked about Edelman and, and White. White, in particular, you just have to think that White is going to go over on receptions on yardage. That seems like the one guy that I would want to lock in on.
1: Yeah, the James, the James White overs, uh, I have already bet, and the uh, actually the C.J. Anderson unders as well are some others that i bet.
0: Got it. Um, C.J. Anderson under. So C.J. Anderson rushing yards, 41 and a half. Yeah, I, I would take that under for sure. James White, to give everybody a sense of what we're looking at with James White receiving yards, that's 52 and a half. In '97 uh, against the Chargers, he went over again against the Chiefs. So I kind of like that. There, there were some interesting lines with the with the Patriots wide receivers on scoring touchdowns like you can get Philip Dorsett at plus 200 on a touchdown I can just see them spreading the ball around a little bit when it comes to the end zone Dorsett had a touchdown a couple of weeks ago so I kind of like that Gronk at plus 180 Dorsett at plus 210 those types of players their shots you know they're a little bit of a long shot, but you can get enough value out of those that I feel comfortable betting those guys as opposed to putting it down on Edelman or White to score a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean I think Gronk to score is probably just like a like he's going to score in this game. If, there, yeah. if he's really told like his teammates like yeah this is the last time I'm playing like he's going to get like 15 targets in this game they they are ready to use Gronk.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Why not go out like that? There's no reason to save him for anything. And by the way, he hasn't he hasn't shied away from the retirement talk at all. I think this has been a long time coming. At least this season, I think we saw at the end of last season he had some talk about. About it and wavering back and forth. And I think it's clear that he's on his way out. It would surprise me actually if he came back. I'd, I'd, I'd bet that he's, this is going to be his last game. So, how about any other ones? Prop bets that stand out to you uh, as good value on the player prop bet or on game props?
1: Uh, well, for a uh, defensive or special teams touchdown to be scored, that's one That's one that I kind of like just because I think uh, Edelman, good punt returner, CP, great kick returner. The Rams have a couple guys, and I think, you know, this game's going to have a ton of passing attempts. Uh, the more passing attempts there are, the more likely there is going to be a uh, passing interception for a touchdown. That's uh, that's one that I bet that I really like.
0: I kind of like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Tons of props out there. I printed out an 80-page prop list the other day uh, from all different kinds of books. You can find some of the stuff online, and certainly if you're in a state that allows um, uh, you to gamble online, uh, just fire up that FanDuel sportsbook app or any other apps, and you can get on there. So, good stuff, Davis. I appreciate you uh, jumping on with me today. Any last thoughts on the game? Do you have a score uh, that you're going to call on this one?
1: Well, I have uh I have placed a bet on the Rams plus 3 points. I think that these teams are pretty close and the Patriots, you know, Mystique does fit into this line. So uh yeah, I just I have the uh, I have the Rams side of the game.
0: Got it. Uh, all right. I'm not, I had, I had Pat's futures from the beginning of the playoffs. So I think I'm just going so to, you want, the
1: pa- you want the Patriots to win by two,
0: right? I, uh, th- yeah, well that, that would probably, uh, that would probably help everybody. Uh, actually for me, I just, if the Patriots are going to win again, I want to be financially compensated. That was my strategy. <laughs> You know what I mean? I think that's I, a you I, know
1: what? That's like a good hedge. That's a good hedge against the evil empire. I I, uh, I endorse that strategy.
0: It's just it's the only way I can survive. I went to school in Boston. I'm friends with hundreds hundreds of Patriots fans. And my social media my condolences. Is, is sickening. At times, so I just need to be financially compensated if and when they win uh, I'm hoping for a good one i don't want to see the blowout. Uh, I hope to see a better game than last year. I know people will say that I'm nuts, but I just want to see a little bit more defense. I fear I may not, so in that sense, i'll either be financially compensated or the Patriots will lose so uh, thanks again uh, for coming on and people can find you on Twitter at Davis Matic. uh the take cast, which you put out there. Uh, how often do you do the take cast? Like once a once a week?
1: Yeah, it's like once a week. Man. More. I mean, honestly, a lot of my guests are just people who reach out to me and say, "Hey, I, I want to do this." So, you cool. know, if we get three of those in a week, there'll be three episodes. So we, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. But yeah, at least once a week, sometimes more. Cool.
0: So again, at Davis Maddock on Twitter, you'll find all his writing on RotoExperts.com and the Take Cast. I highly encourage you to listen to the Jeff Jonas. Jeff Janus pod so thanks again Davis we'll do this again soon uh maybe catch up after the Super Bowl during off season you and I'll do some draft stuff together I'll be heading up some draft coverage for us uh and we'll get it going again yeah appreciate it anytime all right sounds good uh I'm Mike Blewett find me on Twitter at Mike Blewett uh thanks for listening to the pod for Davis Maddock and Mike Blewett and we're out